0: How's everybody doing this morning? You doing well this morning? Well, we're going to get started with a pre-service prayer, amen, and just and just raise an expectation for what God's going to do uh, in our lives over these next two days. Are Are you expecting great things over these next two days? Hallelujah! Now think about it. where two or three are gathered in His name; there He is in the midst of us, amen. There He is in the midst of us, and I want to read something that Doctor Savell. Uh, declared when he was in our church in, uh, in South Africa in uh, February of 2018. And it says this, he said this, hunger, prayer, and believe. Prayer is vital. God does nothing until someone prays. Prayer is what welcomes the presence of God. If you truly want him, then do whatever is necessary in prayer. Every major move of God has come on the wings of hunger and prayer. It doesn't take the whole church wanting it, but why doesn't the whole church pray and believe it? A revival or a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a profound encounter with God that requires disciplined preparation, hunger, prayer, believing. To think that we have a mighty move of God without prayer is foolish. According to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, it said they all continued with one accord in prayer. They continued steadfastly in prayer. Look at the place that prayer took in bringing in the move of God. We need to start praying for Holy Ghost invasions. We have crossed the threshold in God's timetable. There is a price to pay, and not everyone in the body of Christ is willing to pay it. It means coming to church when you don't feel like it. It means coming to prayer meetings when you don't feel like it. Ask of the Lord. As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth. As soon as God's people prayed and asked and called, for it, then it will bring forth. God's people are required to bring it forth in prayer. When the body of Christ begins to pray more, it's not just going to happen, and one day we, we're just going to walk into it. God's people are required to pray it in. Praying in the Spirit. We don't always know how to pray as we ought. It's time to cry out to God. Amen? That was a word from Dr. Savell in 2018. Amen? Amen. So just the emphasis on prayer. So let's set our faith together, and we're going to, first off, we're going to start praying over our nation and then we're going to, we're going to pray over our president and we're going to pray over Dr. Saval, and we're going to pray over this meeting. Amen. Are you, are you going to, are you in unity? Are we in unity today? Amen. Amen. And great things happen when, when people are in unity. All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. According to first Timothy chapter two, it tells us to first of all, pray for all men. So, so father, we, 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 as the church lift up this nation to you today. Thank you, father, that we, we can be a constant voice in the heavenly realm. We pray prayers of faith today that you can work with to bring about great changes in the political scene in this nation. We declare in the mighty name of Jesus, mighty is the Lord who is the victor for the destiny of this nation. We have asked for this nation, Lord, as our inheritance. According to Psalms chapter two, you are the prince of peace over this nation. You are the Lord of the harvest and you will reap your declared will in this nation We declare that foundations are shifting and shaking in this nation. We, the church, and as believers, are the instrument to execute judgment on the work of darkness in this nation. Now, as we pray in the Holy Ghost, in our heavenly language, we thank you that you answer our prayers with your, with your, with your supreme intelligence. I thank you that as we pray in the Holy Ghost, your angels now go forth, work together with our prayers to affect all of this change that's gonna happen in this nation. Hallelujah. So let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And as we're praying in the Holy Ghost, focus on this nation. Bro stolele de boko shebrede e romoga e tolonde rabaya, ramande le kisto robo, o shetele boko rabaya, o o as we're praying in the Holy Ghost hallelujah we are praying out the perfect will of God over this nation as we're praying in the Holy Ghost things that are in darkness are coming to light as we're praying in the Holy Ghost things that are in darkness are coming to light they teach the keder, do the keder the bokoshe. Brondelena man dele de kisto, zongen dele de maia. Ondele na man delegi ito ro do lochte leder, ito ro bogosho. Ondele na maia orandele kisto. As we're praying in the Holy Ghost, great things are happening in the atmosphere over every city. Hallelujah across this nation. Brondelena machine do lo ro sito ro ghoste, zongen dele Great awakenings are happening. Great awakenings are happening. Great awakenings. Happening. Great awakening. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just rejoice. Re- rejo- rejoice in the, Him moving in our nation. Rejoice in God's perfect will in this nation. Oh, we rejoice in the, in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice oh we rejoice and answer prayer we rejoice and answer prayer hallelujah 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 now let's get hooked up praying over our president hallelujah hallelujah father we ask the lord to give donald trump wisdom and insight and all that he must accomplish for the good of this nation hallelujah i thank you father that everything that is in front of him this week i thank you that he has divine wisdom I thank you that he's surrounded about by godly counsel. Yes. Hallelujah, Father. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, that, that, that he is bringing about the things that you have destined for this nation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost over our president. <inaudible> Bondele nama kito bati ramaya nondele brandele zedila rogo de so roboga e Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Father. Hallelujah. That you are the Lord over this nation. Hallelujah. Thank you that you're Lord over our president. I declare that you will be Lord over every party in this nation. You are Lord. You are Lord. No matter what we see in the natural You are Lord. You are Lord. You are Lord. Hallelujah. We're focused on you. Our eyes are on you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for the shifting and the shaking. Hallelujah. That's going on in the atmosphere. Hallelujah. I thank you that that light is arising. Light is arising. I thank you. The glory of the Lord is risen, is rising in this nation, in all nations around the around the globe, Father. Hallelujah. And I thank you that it is penetrating darkness. It is penetrating darkness. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Let's pray over our apostle today. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the word says the fervent prayer yes. of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Tremendous power available. Hallelujah. Are you righteous? I'm, I'm righteous. How about you? So it's the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Hallelujah Let's pray over our founding, our, our apostle. Father, we lift up Dr. Savell and Miss Carolyn to you in prayer. We thank you for taking care of all the personal aspects of their life. Physically, emotionally, financially, in every way, Father. Yes. We declare that they are blessed in their marriage. Yes. Yes. We declare that their children are blessed. We declare their grandchildren are blessed. Yes. We declare that they're walking in the fullness of the blessing. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that they are healed and hold and strengthened. I thank you that they are they are and will be stronger in their latter days when they were in their early days. We thank you for all the revelations that must come to him for the body of Christ at this time. We thank you for words from him that will speed on and they will triumph as they have already triumphed in our lives. I thank you that his voice is continuing to expand across this globe and across churches. I thank you, Lord, that influence is expanding through their lives in, their, in the greatest way it has, in, in, in more, more now than it ever has in the past 50 years. Hallelujah. We pray that he is delivered from wicked and evil men. We declare that no weapon formed against him shall prosper. Hallelujah. We ask and pray that you have opened a door for him, for the word of God to go forth. We declare that he speaks clearly and boldly as the word is unfolded to him. We declare that he operates in the seeing, in the knowing. As he speaks, He and as he sees, he speaks to the body of Christ. And as he speaks, hearts are ready to receive, and lives are changed, and lives are set free. We thank you that you are unfolding great things on behalf of the Savelles great things. Hallelujah. Send prosperity now. Hallelujah for every dream and every vision. Everything they desire to do that you have placed in their heart. It is possible. Hallelujah. Because they're operating in the fullness. So we stand in agreement over our apostles. Hallelujah. We stand in agreement over them. Now pray in the Holy Ghost over them. Stretch your hands towards them. them. Stretch your hands towards them day dillo robo go teter bogo show coteter bayam. Don do lede de it a boko shite day indolo robo gote teter di e show to ramande Leda. Don not rendele da boko de day day boko she deje le bo shengele da boko teter day e chondele na shongonde da day indolo mo shetidra dito ramande ki stor don'na mai Y colona mahase se o tele isho. Oh Ramaya. The outcry of their heart would be a reality. The outcry in their hunger would be a reality. Hallelujah. You said those that are hungry would be filled. So I know they are hungry and I thank you Lord that everything they dreamed of is coming to pass. I thank you Father for great things opening up in their lives. I thank you Father for, for just the power of God to operate in not just this weekend father but every service I thank you that anointing will get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger hallelujah in these last days father we thank you for it and we rejoice in your hand resting upon them hallelujah not only day but for all the days of their life hallelujah 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 give them a shout of praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah Thank you Father We believe, we receive When we pray Hallelujah, hallelujah And Father we thank you For this meeting meeting today Today and tomorrow Father Hallelujah, I thank you Lord As Jesus prayed He said as in heaven So in the earth So if you have ordained From the foundation of the earth And ordained this meeting Let it be right now Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I thank you that every word that is spoken, I thank you that we have open hearts to receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I thank you for refreshing over every minister here. Hallelujah. Just everyone, just lift your hands. Thank you, Father. We thank you for refreshing over every minister. I thank you for flooding us with light over these next two days. Oh, thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Build up your church this hour. Build up every pastor this hour, this weekend, Father. Thank you that as leaders and as ministers, missionaries, I thank you, Father, that a shift will take place in the Spirit. But not just the Spirit, but I thank you that things will shift suddenly in the natural. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for marvels and wonders and extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God. Father, we hold on to that word and we continue to hold on that, to that prophetic word. Not that, but in September, Dr. Savelle said, in beyond, in beyond. So we welcome those marvels, those wonders, and those manifestations today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for the anointing in this place. Thank you for your presence, your power. There's already evident. Show us your glory today, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Give him a shout of praise. Cassie.
1: And just bless the Lord this morning Father we worship you We magnify your name We exalt you today Lord Thank you for Enabling everyone To arrive here safely today And we pray that this Will be a most profitable Time A time of revelation A time of inspiration A time of refreshing In the presence of the Lord We thank you for every opportunity that we have to sit in your presence today. And we expect to gain so much in knowledge, revelation, our faith taken to another level. And we thank you, Father, that you are the God of the extraordinary. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a good shout. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. All right, shake hands with 27 people, and you can be seated. Praise God, Pastor. Good to see you. Hey, man. Uh, so good, Jerry, to see you. To see you. good to see you. Good to see you. Let's see. I have three people. I need oh, three more.
2: 13.
1: <laughs> All right, Bill Ginger. Good morning, everybody. So glad you're here today. Praise God. And let's just start right off with welcoming Pastor Keith Moore. All right, thank you, Keith, for being here. Praise God. Amen. We're going to have a great time in the Lord this next couple of days, amen? As you noticed, our theme is Dr. Jerry Savell. Oh, down at the bottom, Going for the Extraordinary. Amen. That's what we're doing this weekend, amen? Going for the Extraordinary. Let your neighbor say, "I'm I'm ready. And that's one of the reasons why I invited Brother Keith when the Lord gave me this as our theme. I thought, well, who else better knows more about the extraordinary than Keith Moore. Amen. So we're excited to have him here with us. And once again, we're excited that all of you were able to attend. And uh, let's just go ahead and open our Bibles first of all to the book of Job. And while you're turning there, I want to read something to you that came to me back in 1998. The Holy Spirit said these words to me, I will do for you what you've tried to do yourself but could not do. I will cause to come to pass those things which you've strived for and tried to accomplish in your own strength and in your own might, but just could not make it happen. I'll bring them to pass for you. Extraordinary things will become the norm in your life and ministry. Things that have never happened to most people in a lifetime will begin to happen to you in a year's time if you'll just keep your eyes on me. It's time to begin to expect the extraordinary. Amen? Amen. Now, that was 21 years ago that the Lord said that to me. And I can truthfully say, as I look back over those last 21 years, that's exactly what's taken place. God has done things that I couldn't do myself, made things happen I couldn't make happen myself. I've experienced the extraordinary. However, I don't believe I've experienced everything God has in mind. There's so much more to come. Let's never say, and the best is yet to come. (laughs) Can you say amen? Amen. Now, that's, once again, one of the reasons why I wanted Brother Keith to participate in this meeting. Because being around him and being in his churches, both there in Branson and down in Florida, I, I see that he and Phyllis believe for the extraordinary. They do. I mean, every time I get around them, extraordinary things are happening they don't even have to talk about it. you can just see it you can see it and uh that's simply because of somebody who's daring to believe god for his absolute best and i believe every one of us can have it amen you know we've been believing for quite some time to build another auditorium here we've got about 80 acres here for this church campus and uh and one of the reasons I think we haven't begun to do that is because I'm not sure where to put it. <laughs> you know, you need to be sure where you put your next building before you start building it, because I don't want to build it in the wrong place. Amen. Now, one of the things we have an issue with is this road out in front of us. You know, when we first came out here in 1981, we bought five acres to start with, Karen uh, and I personally. And then uh, the Lord impressed upon me, before you do anything else, buy all the land you can get your hands on out here. And so we started believing God to buy land. And uh, eventually uh, we acquired a little more property here and there. And then this church property, this was a Baptist church. They built this the same year I built my headquarters just around the corner. I'd never met the pastor. I didn't know anything about them other than I just saw the sign out there. as a Baptist church. And uh, one day I was getting ready to ride my motorcycle uh, down towards San Antonio. And I passed by here. And the Lord said, here's the property that I've planned for you to have. I said, Lord, it's a Baptist church. There's not even a for sale sign on it. He said, that's the land I want you to have. I've prepared it for you. So I called Joe and I said, uh, contact that pastor and see what's going on with that property there. And so he did. And the pastor told him, he said, well, that's amazing. Now, this was on a Saturday morning when the Lord said that to me. He said, Friday night, the night before, we had a special church meeting. He said, and I told the congregation that some other property had been given to us. And I'm not sure if we are to continue to build here or if we are to build on that new property. He said, so I've decided to call a church meeting today, and we're going to pray, and we're going to put both properties up for sale, and whichever one sells first, we just believe that the other property is where God wants us to be. And he said, that was Friday night. I come riding by here on my motorcycle Saturday morning, and the Lord said, that's your property. So Joe told pastor what I said. And so we started making arrangements to buy it. Now, it only had about 10 acres with it at the time. And uh, so this all began as an extraordinary event, you know, out of the ordinary. I mean, how many times have you driven up on a piece of property with no for sale sign and the Lord said, that's your property. And you find out the night before they had a prayer meeting about selling the property and whichever one sold, then they believe they were supposed to go to the other property. I mean, that's a God thing. Amen. You can't make things like that happen yourself. And so uh, we, we bought the property and, uh, and we told him we'd pay cash. And at the time we didn't have the cash. Well, what's new? So we set, in a, we set a date for a closing. And just before the closing, we still needed four or five hundred thousand dollars. And uh, it came in just a couple of weeks before the closing. And then, praise God, we bought it, and it only had 10 acres. Then the Lord said, now keep buying land. And so we eventually acquired another 10 acres and another 20 acres, and now we have 80 acres right here. Now, that road out front, that is not my favorite road in this city. (laughs) It's constantly being torn up. Heavy trucks drive up and down, cement trucks. They tear it up every time the county comes out here and repairs it. And it won't be long. We can enjoy it for just a short season. And then it's torn up again, and it takes them forever to get back out here, you know. So I'm not happy with that road. And I don't know when they're ever going to. Surely they got to widen it. Surely someday they're going to pave it because there's so much growth taking place out here. Amen. But when? You know, I I don't understand people who work for the city. In some cases, I think you have one of their requirements. Well, I shouldn't say this. I think sometimes one of their requirements is you have to have been in a mental institution before you can get a job with the city. I didn't say that. Edit that. I mean, I can't figure them out. They'll they'll come out and, and work on a, a piece of, you know, the street. And they won't do it all at the same time. No, they'll wait until school starts. Yes. To come back and finish with all the school traffic. I guess it's job security. You know. Well, now... On the back side of this property, Hewlin is going to come through. And Hewlin runs north and south throughout Fort Worth. It's a major street. It would look like it would be to our advantage to wait until they expand Hewlin and then put the new building facing Hewlin. But when are they going to do it? (laughs) So I have a dilemma. I want a new building, but I don't want to build it on the wrong spot because I don't want to tear it down (laughs) after I build it and say, oh Lord, we built it in the wrong spot. So we're believing for extraordinary manifestations (laughs) of the greatness of our God in particularly for people who work for the city. So they can get on with the program. So we can get on with the program, amen? amen. Praise God. So I uh, just wanted to tell you that. I don't know if that helps anybody or not, but I just had to get it off my chest. And now you know what you can agree with us in prayer about. All right? We're, we're ready to get some things going here, okay? That's kind of the same thing you went through with your hanger down there in Florida, you know? The story you told me about that. Maybe he can relate it later. All right, now. The first thing I want to do is to lay a foundation here, and I want you to write this down. Number one, we serve an extraordinary God. We serve an extraordinary God. How many of you would agree with that? Job chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, and this, particularly verse 9, has become one of my favorite scriptures, particularly from the message translation. Verse 8 from the King James, I would seek unto God... And unto God would I commit my cause, which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. The message translation says it this way, after all, he's famous for great and unexpected acts. There's no end to his surprises. I love that. He's famous for great and unexpected acts, and there's no end to his surprises. Look at your neighbor and say, my God is the God of surprises. And you know, we could have a surprise right here during this conference and the cities come out and say, oh, by the way, Brother Jerry, we're going to start the new construction on the street uh, next week. Yes. Now that would be a surprise and it'd have to be a God thing. Amen. <laughs> but he's the God of surprises. Amen. He is famous for great and unexpected acts. So my point is, we serve an extraordinary God. Yes. Psalm 145 verse 3. And I'm only going to read it from the message translation. God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. There are no boundaries to his greatness. Now I could give a list of many, many scriptures here talking about the fact that our God is an extraordinary God. But number two. He's given us the right to believe for extraordinary results in our life of faith. He's an extraordinary God, and he's given us the right to believe for extraordinary results in our life of faith. Matthew 17, 20, if you have faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. Let your neighbor say the word is nothing. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. The Barnes commentary says, You can perform the most difficult undertakings if you have faith. You can perform, perform the most difficult undertakings if you have faith. The Gill's exposition says, You will be able to do things seemingly impossible if you have faith. And another commentary says, you will be known as a rooter up of mountains, and nothing else will be impossible for you. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm known today as a rooter up of mountains. <laughs> if you read that whole scripture there he's talking about, you can say "Under this mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and that's where this comes from. You can root up mountains, and you'll become known as a rooter up of mountains, praise God. I like that. And nothing else will be impossible unto you. Now, I want you to write this down, and then I'm I'm going to give you an exercise here. What would you dare to believe for if you truly believed that nothing is impossible unto you? What would you dare to believe for? What would you dare to believe God to do for you personally in your ministry if you truly believed that nothing is impossible unto you? Now, right under that, list about five things. What do you believe in God for right now? Building, land, equipment. If you truly believed that nothing is impossible unto you, then what would you dare to exercise your faith for? Just write them down. Keep them. Read them frequently. Amen. We were meant to experience extraordinary manifestations. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, or verse 18 rather. The children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders. We were born for signs and wonders. We were created to experience and to perform through our faith in God, signs and wonders. Number three. We don't have to settle for the ordinary. We don't have to settle for the ordinary. Once again, we were created to experience so much more. Dare to be different from just the crowd, from just ordinary believers. Dare to be different from those who settle for the ordinary. In Hebrews chapter 11, go with me there if you will. You're very familiar with it. Famous chapter on the subject of faith. And I want you to notice how that these people, through faith, decided that they wouldn't settle for just the ordinary. They dared to be different. Look at verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, Escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, or fight, turned to flight their armies of the aliens. Notice nothing about them was ordinary. How they lived was not ordinary, it was extraordinary. The message translation says they turned disadvantage to advantage, they turned disadvantages to advantage. And the Passion Translation says, their faith fastened onto the promises and pulled them into reality. Their faith fastened onto the promises and pulled them into reality. Their faith sparked courage within them, and they became mighty in battle. Hallelujah. I like that. Amen. So that doesn't sound like to me that they settled for the ordinary. And you and I shouldn't either. Can you say amen? Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. You know, in the King James, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Passion Translation says, the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Hallelujah. That explosive power that comes from Christ who is within us, it's infused within us. It enables us to conquer every difficulty. That doesn't sound like just an ordinary life to me. How about it? Extraordinary. The Message Translation says, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Hallelujah. So take the following words from Isaiah to heart and determine to go after the extraordinary. Isaiah 48, verse 17, from the NIV. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best. The King James says, teaches you to profit. But here the NIV says, to teach you what is best. What I hear the Lord saying is, I will teach you what is my best and show you how to go for it. Amen. Amen. I'll teach you what is my best. And then show you how to go for it. And then in First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And the Passion Translation says, Things never discovered or heard, things beyond our ability to imagine, these are the many things God has in store. Hallelujah. So we haven't seen all that God has in store. And since our God is an extraordinary God, then he has planned some extraordinary things for us. Can you say amen? So our theme this weekend is let's go for it. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for average. Don't settle for that's good enough. Amen. Let's go for the extraordinary. The book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you want to say it, verse Or chapter one verse five says, Behold ye among the heathen and regard, for I will work a work in your day which ye will not believe though it be told you. The message translation says it this way. Look around, look long and hard. Brace yourself for a shock. Something's about to take place that you're going to find hard to believe. (laughs) Hallelujah. I think we ought to lift our hands right now and say, I'm ready for it, Lord. Bring it on. Hallelujah. Bring it on. Praise God. Now, listen to how uh, that is also repeated in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, verse 41, Behold and wonder, for I will work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it to you. And the Passion Translation says, I'm going to do something wonderful. I'm going to do something wonderful. Mighty deeds will be wrought among you. Hallelujah. My goodness. You know, it reminds me of what Brother Roberts said sitting in our living room years ago, he and Evelyn. And uh, I asked Brother Roberts, and many of you have heard me tell this before, but it's my sermon. I want to hear it again. I asked Brother Roberts, I said, Brother Roberts, what's the last thing Jesus has said to you in a personal visitation. He said, Jerry, Jesus said to me, Oral, if you think you saw signs and wonders and miracles under the big tent, you haven't seen anything yet. They're coming back big time. time. Everybody say big time. time. Now, I've held on to that ever since I heard Oral Roberts say it. And I believe that's what God is saying here in both Habakkuk Habakkuk and in the book of Acts that God is about to do some wonderful things, some mighty deeds, that if it were told you, it'd be hard for you to believe. Amen. Let's don't give up on God. Let's don't give up on his word. Amen. Let's don't give up on what faith is capable of producing. All things are possible to him that believeth. Now, I want to define this word wonderful. I will do something wonderful. It means extraordinarily good or great, marvelous, and tremendous. Extraordinarily good or great, marvelous, and tremendous. God is about to do some things that are going to be extraordinary, good, and great. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm believing for it. And the word mighty, he said he'd do mighty deeds. Mighty means Showing great intensity. And then the word intensity means going to a higher level than ever before. Amen. Going beyond the norm. Amen. Amen. See, this is not an ordinary minister's conference. We're going for the extraordinary. Amen. This is why, I'm, once again, God impressed upon me to, to use as our theme this weekend, going for the extraordinary. God wants to take us to a higher level and he's challenging us to not settle for anything less. It's time to think bigger. It's time to imagine bigger. It's time to dream bigger. It's time to plan bigger. And it's time to expect bigger. And that's the reason I had these little door hangers made for you. There should be one on every seat. Pick it up. Look at it. You can hang them on your bedroom door. And let your kids read it. Say, kids, I'm busy thinking big thoughts, dreaming big dreams, and making big plans. I don't know if you should tell your wife this or not, but try anyway. Uh, Sweetheart, I, I can't be bothered with working in the garden right now. I'm thinking big thoughts. I'm dreaming big <laughs> dreams, and I'm making big plans. Uh, you're going to have to get the weeds out of your garden yourself. Uh, I'm thinking big thoughts. I'm dreaming big dreams, and I'm making big plans. Amen? I've got this hung on my study door. Amen? Going into my study. I'm thinking big thoughts. I'm dreaming big dreams, and I'm making big plans. Amen? Praise God. All right. Now, how does this all begin? Going for the extraordinary. Number one, are the... the, Main thing I want to say here this morning in this first session. You cannot go any higher than your thoughts and you cannot go any further than what you believe. You can't go any higher than your thoughts and you can't go any further than what you're capable of believing. In Proverbs chapter 9 verse 6, and I'm reading it from the Passion Translation, lay aside your simple thoughts and leave your paths behind. Lay aside your simple thoughts and leave your paths behind. Simple thoughts means lowly, small, or ordinary. Lay them aside. Lay small thoughts aside. Another story I want to tell you, and I know many of you have heard it, and it has to do with Oral Roberts again. Uh, Brother Roberts called me one day and he said, I see you're going to Kenya in a few weeks. I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, I want to go with you. I said, well, Brother Roberts, I wish I'd have known that far more in advance because uh, I've already got my schedule full and I wouldn't be able to spend any time with you. He said, well, would you at least pray and see if it'd be all right if I go? I said, well, who am I to tell Oral Roberts no? So if you want to go, sir, yeah, you can go. And he said, okay. Uh, we'll come and spend the night with you and Carolyn, and, and we'll go out to the airport the next morning. And I'm going to Kenya with you. I said, no, we're going to be gone about two weeks. He said, that's fine. And so uh, we went to the airport, and we flew to JFK, and then we got caught another flight and flew into Nairobi. When I got to Nairobi, uh, my directors in Kenya were waiting for me to take me to have a meeting with the president of the nation, at that time Daniel Moy. And I was planning to build a medical facility there. And uh, what I wanted President Moy to do was to give me, to donate the land to build it on in an area that had two million people without any medical facilities. And so uh, we were going to go to the State House, which is equivalent to our White House here, and meet with the President. I asked Brother Roberts, I said, do you want to go with me? Or do you want to stay here and I'll assign somebody... Uh, to to stay with you and then as soon as I get back I've chartered a plane and we're flying to Kukamega, Kenya. He said I'll go with you and so we went to the state house. When we got there we found out that the president had been called away for an emergency meeting but he had the vice president and some of these cabinet members to meet with us. So when we walked in this room uh, they had uh, two tables one on one side of the room and another on the other side. And the vice president and his cabinet were sitting at one table. Brother Roberts and I and my director were sitting at the table opposite them. And so the vice president uh, asked me to go ahead and make my presentation. So I already had my my, uh, architectural drawings done and phase one was an outpatient clinic. And I made my presentation that we need land to build this facility on that's phase one. And then after we complete phase one, we'll begin phase two. And I said, and when it's totally completed, we're going to give it to the nation. And uh, uh, Brother Roberts, who's with me today, has told me that he would like to furnish or supply the doctors and the nurses that are graduates of Oral Roberts University to come and to uh, to be the doctors and the nurses in this clinic. So they were excited about it. And so I ask him for a certain amount of land. Now, in the meantime, while I'm making this presentation, I notice Brother Roberts is writing on a napkin and he writes a little bit and then he folds it up and throws it off the end of the table. Then he gets another napkin and he writes something, folds it up and throws it off the end of the table. And I'm catching this out of the corner of my eye and I'm thinking, this is rude. What is he doing? But who am I to question Oral Roberts? You know? And so... Uh, After a while, and I'm talking, you know, probably at least 25 minutes later, he finally looked at this napkin. After doing this for about five or six times, he looked at this napkin and hit me on the arm and put it right in front of my face and said, read this. I said, Brother Roberts, can this wait? The vice president's talking. He said, no, it can't wait. Read this. I said, excuse me, sir. Brother Roberts has something he wants me to read. I look at it, I can't make it out. I I don't have a clue what it says. Now, Brother Robert's handwriting wasn't the best, worse than mine. (laughs) And I have letters, four-page handwritten letters from him, and I had to pray for the interpretation on some of them. But I can't make out what this says on this napkin at all. So I hand it back to him. I said, Brother Roberts, I'll read that when we get out of this meeting. Read it now. I said, Brother Roberts, I don't know what it says. He said, look at it. I said, sir, excuse me. Now you don't do this in front of a vice president of a nation. All of a sudden I'm having visions of a dungeon. You know, we're going to be tossed in a dungeon somewhere if we don't behave. But it's Brother Roberts fault, you know. But no, he won't go to the dungeon. It'd be me. You know, so I said, "Excuse me, sir, Brother Roberts, insisting that I read this." And finally, I said, "Brother Roberts, I don't have a clue what this says. Would you please read it to me so I can finish this meeting?" He said, "That's all Roberts spelled backwards." I said, "Are we boring you?" this is what you've been working on the last 25 minutes? Oral Robert spelled backwards. He said, yes, you bore me, he bores me, everybody in this room bores me. I thought, we're headed to the dungeon. (laughs) I said, why are we boring you? He said, because you think too small. Nobody in this room thinks big. He said, now this is my project. I'm building this clinic. I'm paying for it. But all of a sudden he says, We can't build this clinic on that amount of land. That's not enough land. We need more land. All of a sudden, it's, we can't do this? He said, ask him for 10 times that amount of land. I said, I feel led of the Lord for you to ask him for 10 times that amount of land. He said, we need 10 times that amount. He said, no problem, Dr. Roberts. Then Brother Roberts looked at me and he pointed his finger at my, in my face. He said, don't you ever think small in my presence again. That was a valuable lesson. I still have that napkin with Oral Roberts spelled backwards. In fact, I've used that many times. When people start thinking small in my presence, I've learned to write Jerry Savelle backwards on a napkin. <laughs> I, I love being around Oral Roberts because he always challenged me to think big. Amen. I've had the privilege, 50 years of ministry, I've had the privilege of God surrounding me with big thinkers. Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin, Oral Roberts, T.L. Osborne. These were my mentors, and every one of them are big thinkers. Amen? They were all big thinkers. And, of course, Kenneth Copeland's the only one left in that group. But every time I get around Kenneth Copeland, he stretches me. He insists that you think bigger. Go for the extraordinary. Don't settle for what everybody else settles for. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? I've told him not too long ago, and I've told him several times, but I reminded him not too long ago. I said, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if one day I get a call from you, and the conversation goes like this. Jerry, this Kenneth. Yes, sir? I've discovered there are people on Mars And I think they need a Believers Convention. You going with me? I said, well, Brother Copeland, you've never done a Believers Convention without me. Yes, I'm going with you. I said, how are we going to get there? I'm believing for a rocket ship right now. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like something he would do? He just, he thinks big. You know, I remember, how many of you have ever been out to Eagle Mountain, to the property out there? When Carol and I first moved here in about 1970 or so, Brother Copeland had a little Skyline, a Cessna Skyline, single-engine airplane. It wasn't much faster than a lawnmower with wings. And that was his first airplane. But it was paid for, praise God. And every once in a while, he'd call me, and we'd go fly in it somewhere. And one day, he called me, and he said, meet me out at Oak Grove. I said, okay. Oak Grove was a little airport that was out in this area. Uh, back years ago. It's expanded down to Sphinx now. But it was just a little small airport back in those days. So I went out to, to uh, Oak Grove Airport. Brother Copeland's got his airplane pulled out of the hangar. And he said, uh, we're going for a ride today. I said, okay. So I got in the co-pilot side. And we just flew over to the north side of Fort Worth. And we got over there, and I don't know anything about that part of town. I'm, I'm relatively new in Fort Worth. So we flew over there, flew over this property, and there was a runway down there. But there was cattle on the runway, cattle all over the place. And Brother Copeland flew real low to try to run the cattle off the runway. And then he come back around, and he did it again. And finally, they scattered and got off the runway. Then he come back around, and he touched down on the runway. And then he hit me on the arm. Copeland's and Roberts are bad about hitting people on the arm. <laughs> he hit me on the arm and said, you hear me saying it? One day I'm going to own this place. We're going to build our headquarters here. And he did a touch and go. he took off and he come back and he touched down again. You hear me saying it? One day we're going to own this place and we're going to build our headquarters here. He did it three times. And then we flew back to Old Grove. That was about 1971, 72. That's what is now Eagle Mountain property. (laughs) Amen. He could see it way back there. There's 1,500 acres out there. At the time that he was saying that, we were sharing an office with his daddy. His dad had an insurance business. And Kenneth Copeland Evangelistic Association had three rooms in his dad's office. And now he's talking about 1,500 acres of property and building headquarters there. If that's not thinking big, I don't know what is. In fact, my office in those days was down the hallway. I ran tapes reel-to-reel tapes. Then eventually we got to cassette. And I had to build shelves all the way down the hallway to set the duplicators on. And then the bathroom was down the next corner. And anytime somebody had to go to the bathroom, I had to leave my office because you couldn't get two people between there. (laughs) That's where we were. In this little office that had three rooms and his dad had the other offices. It was small and dad only had maybe two or three offices as well, out on Berry Street. And Brother Copeland's talking about 1,500 acres and building his headquarters there. Now, it didn't happen immediately. In fact, we moved into two different locations while I was still working full-time for him. They were bigger each time, but not near what he's seeing in the Spirit, what he's believing for. What he was believing for was extraordinary. It was beyond the norm. Amen. Would you agree with that? Yes. And, and then I, I left at the end of 1973 and launched out into my own ministry. And of course we worked together all these years, but eventually he moved into a, a bigger office. In fact, he moved into it just before I left. And later on he moved into a, a bigger office and I moved into the office that he was in when I left. So I'm coming on up. As he's going up, I'm going up. Amen. Every time he had a major breakthrough, I'm next. Now my breakthrough wasn't near the size of his breakthrough, but it was a breakthrough. Amen. In fact, it's been that way all these years. Every time he has a breakthrough, I'm next. And it seems like many times as I've watched it and watched the the finances and so forth. It looks like many times his level is 10 times greater than my level. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. One day I'll get there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. But he taught me way back then. Don't settle for the norm. When I first went to work with brother Copeland, um, he he was flying that little airplane. Then eventually, he got a, a Cessna 310, a twin-engine airplane. Fly a little higher, a little faster. And, uh, and I'm driving a Buick Wildcat station wagon with a sound system, the tapes, and everything to set up meetings in different parts of the country. Back in those days, we would be mostly in hotel ballrooms, seat 200 to 400 people. And so I'm driving everywhere. And and uh, uh, we'd get there and do a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday meeting. And then a lot of times I would leave and drive somewhere else and we'd start another meeting. Sometimes I was going three weeks at a time. And uh, I remember we were up in uh, Kansas City. And this man that was a businessman, and he was also president of the Full Gospel Businessmen, and uh, he asked us, or he invited Brother Copeland and Gloria to dinner one night. And he said, uh, "And and your assistant, uh, tell Jerry he's welcome to go too." Now I'm just a, I'm just a little country hick. I mean, I'm I'm a country boy. If if you if you'd see pictures of me back then, now I was 21 years old, but I looked like I was 14. And Brother Copeland had me do a, a TV broadcast with him. and Thank God they never made the error. But he had me to do a TV broadcast one time. And I sounded worse than Gomer Powell. <laughs> when I got turned on to Jesus, that was my opening statement. When I got turned on to Jesus, I figured out I need to learn how to pray. Golly. Yeah. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> I was a hick. And so, you know, and Gloria and Kenneth Copeland, they, they had just left barely kick stage, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they just barely a little bit higher than kick stage. <laughs> and Brother Copeland with that West Texas stuff, you know, man, he come up with stuff I never heard before in my life. Don't look at me like a frog in a hailstorm, batting them eyes at me. I thought, a frog in a hailstorm. Yeah. I remember the first time he let me preach. I didn't know, but I, what I was listening to was his stuff all the time, and it came out of me. Don't look at me like a frog in a hailstorm. I thought, where'd that come from? <laughs> and I remember we went to dinner that night to this famous steakhouse in Kansas City. And they brought us the menus, you know, and man, the menus are this tall and this wide. I'd never seen a menu like that before. Not only that, I didn't know what half the stuff on the menu was. Mm -hmm. And he said, "Uh, you guys uh, get the best steak in the house. Well, Brother Copeland got a big old New York strip and Gloria got something, you know. And he said, Jerry, what would you like? I looked on there and the only thing I recognized was a hamburger steak. (laughs) I said, I'll have a hamburger steak. He said, that is not a steak. I said it wasn't my house. (laughs) That's what mama made all the time, a hamburger steak. I, I never even, I never even seen a New York strip. I thought they were talking about something nasty. You know, a New York strip. Now, you can tell I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a big thinker at this point. But being around somebody who was learning to think big elevates you. <laughs> Hush, Tony, I'm preaching. Huh? Amen. It'll, it'll bring you up to another level. I remember also uh, he asked me to drive him to a store one day. And uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, this was in Ohio. And he said, uh, Jerry, I need you to take me to the store. He said, tomorrow's uh, Gloria's birthday and I want to buy her something. So I took him to this mall. We went into a a store where they sold ballpoint fountain pens, you know. And uh, I'm standing there behind him, you know, and he's looking at this pen. He finally picked out a pen. And it was a cross pen. Anybody remember cross pens? And it was $25. He paid $25 for a ballpoint pen. I thought, dear God, I could have bought a year's supply of pens for $25. Bick. Bick. (laughs) I've never seen a $25 pen before. I'm coming on up, praise God. And he bought that and had it gift wrapped and brought it to Gloria. And she was so thrilled. And I thought, who in the world pays $25 for a ballpoint pen? <laughs> I'm just making mental notes, you know. Yeah. Amen. It, it, not only when I, was I learning the Word of God, he was my Bible school. Because we did three services a day. And I took notes every session. That was my Bible school. But, but I'm learning the word, but I'm also seeing somebody who's taking the word and demanding that their life go to another level. Amen. In other words, I'm doing what the Passion Translation said for uh, uh, Proverbs 9, 6, lay aside your simple thoughts. Lay aside your simple thoughts, those lowly, small, or common, ordinary thoughts, and come on up to another level. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. But That doesn't mean we can't make them our thoughts and our ways, because in the New Testament, it says we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. And if anybody's capable of thinking God's thoughts, it's Christ himself. Amen. And we have the mind of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, I have the mind of Christ. I'm capable of thinking big thoughts. And then another time when we first moved here, uh, Harold Nichols was pastor of Grace Temple. And that's where Brother Copeland and Gloria went to church when they were in town. So that became our home church. And shortly after I arrived here, uh, Brother Copeland and Brother Nichols was going to ordain me and I never will forget it. I, I, I didn't have a decent suit or sport coat to wear for my own ordination I had one suit that a lady bought me before I left Shreveport and she bought it Amen That's the Lord saying it's time to think bigger okay. And this lady bought this suit for me from a, out of a rummage sale. And we moved here in the summertime, and this was 100% wool. I sweated like a hog in that thing. <laughs> that was the only suit I had. Can you imagine? One suit, three services a day for three weeks. So I had to buy some shirts and some ties. And my shirts and ties back then <laughs> didn't cost much. But it made it look like I had a wardrobe because I changed a shirt and a tie. And so I don't want to wear this 100% wool suit for my ordination. In fact, it was double-breasted. And at that time, double-breasted had gone out with Al Capone. (laughs) I saw Al Capone wear that suit on the Untouchables one night. (laughs) And so this is the only suit I have. I said, I need, to, I need something better to, to wear for my own ordination. And Carol and I went to Sears and uh, we found a sport coat, a blue and white striped Searsucker sport coat on sale. Of course, it didn't cost but $30 to start with, but on sale it was $15. I bought that $15 Searsucker sport coat. Man, I am so proud of that thing. And that's what I had my ordination in. I've come a long ways, baby. <laughs> I had not had to buy $15 sport coats in a long time. Amen. In fact, I give away sport coats and suits that cost way much higher than that. Amen. Just being around people who dreamed bigger, imagined bigger, thought bigger? Amen. Changed my life. I can appreciate people who haven't arrived there yet because I know what it's like. Amen. You don't you don't preach down to them, you don't get upset with them, you don't you don't you know uh, make fun of them because I've been there. I know what it's like not knowing what we're going to have for dinner tonight because we don't have any money. I know what it's like walking the streets of Fort Worth, picking up Coke bottles and taking them to the store. You used to get two cents for a Coke bottle and taking enough Coke bottles to the store so I could buy milk for my babies. I know what that's like. I know what it's like leaving my wife with $3 and I'm going to be gone for three weeks with Brother Copeland. And then she go to church that night and take that $3 and put it in the offering. She said, if it done, certainly will not meet my need for three weeks. So now it's seed. And she'd come home that night and somebody had put $50, I believe it was, in her uh, pocket. And she didn't even know it. That happened in church. She went back to church and put the tithe in there from that. Hallelujah. Today. We've been able to buy people automobiles, pay cash. We've been able to pay mortgages off on their home. We've paid mortgages off on churches. We've given airplanes away. That's a long ways from staggering over a $25 pin. Amen? That's a long ways. And yet, there's so much more. I'm going for the extraordinary. How about you? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going for the extraordinary. Can you say amen? Amen. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. The thoughts of the diligent. Diligent people are those who are very attentive to God's word and they're doers of the word. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. Plenteousness means abundance and more than enough no limits. That's, that's what the diligent think. That's what's in their mind. They don't think barely get by. They don't think that's good enough. No, their thoughts are plenteousness. In other words, they're thinking abundance. They're thinking more than enough. They're thinking no limits. The passion translation says their thoughts are on prosperity And another word for prosperity is successfulness. They don't think about failing. They think about succeeding in every area of their lives, regardless of the circumstances. Can you say amen? Amen. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4 from the Passion Translation, it says these people that are uh, diligent, these people that think big, they end up with everything they long for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you would like to end up with everything you've longed for? Praise God. Amen. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 23, If thou canst believe, then all things are possible to him that believes. If you can't think extraordinary thoughts, if you can't believe for extraordinary results, then it's not likely they'll ever take place in your life. So it all begins with how you think and what you believe. How you think and what you believe. Say it with me. It's how I think and what I believe. Amen. How many of you would say in here, we all need to go to another level. We all need to go to another level. Praise God. Amen. We're only limited by our thoughts and what we are capable of believing. That's why it's vitally important that we spend more quality time with the Holy Spirit and in the Word of God, Amen. you know, Brother Copeland and I were talking about. We just got back from uh, his Washington uh, victory campaign, and uh, I, I go on all of his meetings now. And um, in addition to my own schedule, and it's been such a joy since the beginning of this year. The Lord told me to go back and and uh, and serve Brother Copeland and do whatever he needed me to do in his own meetings. So. Uh, We've just completed the year with this last meeting. And we were talking, uh, flying over there uh, up to Virginia, we were talking about how that uh, we both seemed very impressed with the Lord over the last few years to go back and listen again to all of our Kenneth Hagen tapes, mm-hmm. Kenneth Hagin messages. Yeah, so and I've also added the earliest messages I heard from Kenneth Copeland and, and everything I have by Oral Roberts and T.L. Osborne and John Osteen. I have all that. I don't know how to do it, but somebody in my office does. <laughs> and uh, they've downloaded all that on my iPod so I can carry all of that in my pocket everywhere I go, particularly overseas meetings. And, and I'm, I'm listening again and again and again and again. To Brother Copeland's message that I heard him preach in 1969 that changed my life. And he simply called it the greatest faith. Faith that needs no other evidence outside of the word of God. The centurion said, speak the word only. And then Brother Copeland built a message around that and called it the greatest faith. I listen to that often. And then Brother Hagin, right and wrong thinking. And then also how to write your own ticket with God. I listen to those constantly. In fact, I I listened to Oral Roberts while I was in uh, the meeting with Brother Copeland. I listened to it every morning. I listened to it while I was getting dressed. I listened to it before I went over to the services. Brother Roberts, particularly about everything God has is yours. An old message he used to preach under the big tent. Everything God has is yours. Hallelujah. Those are faith-inspiring they're faith building. They 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 cause you to think bigger, to go up to another level. Don't ever get to the place where you think you don't need to listen to those kind of things anymore. Oh, in fact I'd whole lot rather listen to those old messages than I would some of the new stuff that's going around. Amen. Yeah, but we need a new message. Well, you get a good grip on the old message. <laughs> Amen, like Brother Hagin used to say every time. Somebody would say, Brother Hagin, you've been preaching on Mark 11, 23, and 24 for 50 years. When are you going to preach on something new? He'd say, when you get this, we'll move on to something new. Amen. And still a lot of people hadn't got it. I, I told Richard Roberts not too long ago, I said, I, I go to a lot of churches today where the people have never even heard of your daddy. They don't know who Oral Roberts is. They don't know who Kenneth Hagin is. I said, I am not going to allow those men's legacies to die. I, I say something about Kenneth Hagin and Oral Roberts nearly in every service I preach. Yeah. I encourage people to, you can go on YouTube now and just watch message after message. Oh, they're inspiring. Yes. Well, I don't have time for that, Brother Jerry. I'm in the ministry. Well, so am I. Full time. Yeah. My time and Brother Copeland's. <laughs> I got time, you got time. And I'm the busiest man on the planet. (laughs) No, but close. No. I challenge you go back and pull them off the shelf. Go back and, and read some of those earliest books about faith. They'll challenge you to go for the extraordinary, don't settle for what everybody else settles for. All things are possible to him that believeth. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. I, I listened to Brother Hagin uh, just a couple of days ago. Again, you can how to write your own ticket with God. That's a great message. Amen. I never get tired of listening to these messages because, once again, they're faith-building, they're faith-inspiring. Proverbs 23, verse 7. You all know it from the King James. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Passion Translation says, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. As you think within yourself, so are you. And Matthew 8, 13, As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. So two things that are very important to go for the extraordinary. Number one, change your thoughts. Number two, change what you believe. If you're not thinking God's word, and you're not believing what His Word says, you can have. Then start with changing the way you think and changing with how you believe. Amen. It's not hard. The hard part's getting started, making a decision, I'm going to do this, and stick with it, praise God. Amen. If you're not experiencing extraordinary things in your life and ministry, then once again it begins by changing with how you think and changing with how you believe. I'll wrap it up with this. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, Bless, uh, I'm sorry, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. The message translation says, and listen to this closely, There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. <laughs> Amen. There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. Amen. Now, Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 25, the message translation says, your sins keep my blessings at a distance. And the word sin means to miss the mark or to fall short. It doesn't have to necessarily be adultery or drinking or whatever. A lot of times, you and I, we miss the mark in the way we're thinking and the way we're believing. So he says, your sins or you're missing the mark and falling short in how you think and what you believe are keeping my blessings at a distance. Amen. Psalm 78 verse 32 is a great example of, of people who thought small. Talked negative, didn't believe the right things. And it says, they sinned still and believe not for his wondrous works. You got that up there? They sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. I don't know why, but I have been reading that in days past. They didn't believe in his wondrous works. It didn't say they didn't believe in his wondrous works. They stopped believing for them. That's a great revelation. Yes. Amen. They stopped believing for them. Amen. Amen. Don't stop believing for the wondrous works of God. Don't start stop, stop believing for the extraordinary. Amen. And then verse 41, as a result of them no longer believing for his wondrous works, their small thinking, their negative talking, it says, they limited the Holy One of Israel. And the Passion Translation says. They prevented him from blessing them. God wanted to do more. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to do more. more. He wants to do more for you. And he wants to do more for your ministry. But it's us who are preventing him. It's not a matter of us trying to talk God into doing it. He's wanting to do it. He's willing to do it. He's planned to do it. But it's us because of our missing the mark. We're preventing him from taking us to a higher level. Can you say amen? amen? All right, this is my last close. I'm going to read once again. First Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Amen. So that simply tells us that there's so much more. That we haven't seen it all yet. God is ready. In fact, one translation says he's already arranged for it. He's just waiting for us to get our thoughts in line, get our believing in line, and then there's no limits. Can you say amen? Amen. Recently, I wrote this book back in 1998 after the Lord gave me that word about expect the extraordinary, and we just put it back in print. Expect the extraordinary. Amen. It's back in the uh, tables back there. We just got it back in the office here recently. It's pretty much been out of print for a few years, but uh, I thought it would be certainly beneficial for you. Expect the extraordinary thinking in the image of Christ. Amen. Did you get something out of this this morning? All right. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet if you will. Hallelujah. Uh, let's take at least 15-minute break. And uh, then we'll come back and we'll start a little bit early with Brother Keith. I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. So lay your hands on the person next to you and say, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do for God. God. And I'm praying in the days ahead, ahead. your ministry ministry. will will go to another level. Extraordinary things will take place, not only occasionally, but continually. And in the name of Jesus, add my faith to it, and I decree, so be it. And give the Lord a good shout, praise God. All right? Amen. All right, you can take a break and be back here at about uh, 1030, okay?